Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Wednesday, December 22nd, 2021. On today's episode, we're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion about Hawkeye, Episode 6, So This is Christmas. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Soretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Editor Brad Ullman. Hey, that's me. Brad, where have you been? You, you haven't been here for the last two episodes. Oof, I got stuck in the multiverse. It's been... <laughs> hectic to say the least <laughs> uh no for um uh yeah i think for the, a big part of it anyway uh yeah I, I was in london for a week doing a press event for no time to die being released on uh 4k uhd blu-ray and dvd and that required me to be in london for five days and uh got to kind of live a little bit of a life of luxury and then also partake in a stunt driving experience uh at jaguar land rover headquarters uh in the english countryside so that was pretty cool and if you want to find out more about that you can check it out on slashfilm.com where there's a whole video of me being whipped around in a Land Rover Defender by uh, No Time to Die stunt driver Mark Higgins and being chased by other Land Rovers and motorcycles. It was pretty cool. Okay, we'll, we'll link that in the show notes. Uh, I see how it is, Brad. You were too busy drinking martinis and driving fast cars to, to, to be here with me. But I, I guess since you've been gone for two weeks, what, what did you think of the, the last two episodes? I guess uh, episode four and five. Uh, they were both great. I really liked both of them. Um, it's it seems like a a big step up. I think uh, the the episodes have I think have been increasing in quality as the series has gone on. It dipped from the first to second episode, and then it's kind of been back up on the rise since then. And I think uh, you know with uh, bringing back uh, Yelena and having Florence Pugh in the show injected a a new bit of energy and enthusiasm into it. The big reveal of uh, Kingpin confirmed for the series was also something that was very cool. And uh, just the evolving dynamic between Clint and Kate uh, as a partnership has been uh, fantastic, too. So, yeah, I think these these episodes were really enjoyable and we're back on par with kind of having uh, a cinematic quality to them, uh, having some some great action sequences and, uh, yeah, leading right up to this uh, pretty damn great finale that we're going to talk about here. 
Okay, before we talk about that, let's get into our feedback section. Last week, uh, we were talking about last week's episode, and there's a moment where um, Yelena's character makes mac and cheese. Um, and we didn't mention at the time, some, a bunch of people wrote in that this is actually a reference to Black Widow and the opening scene of Black Widow, the movie. Natasha and Yelena are children growing up in Ohio and part of this, like, undercover you know operation uh they are the two girls are preparing a family meal uh and uh uh, yelena yells i want mac and cheese so so that's that's a deep cut reference there it is yeah that's adorable yeah and uh, apparently florence uh it was her idea on set to add the the hot sauce she doesn't like hot sauce but she she was like the character would like to eat mac and cheese with hot sauce so i thought that was funny um the other email we received at peter at slash com. you can always email us we might read them on there we might not uh but the other email we received was from rob c Last week, we were having a whole discussion, me and Ben, about what people probably know about Black Widow and what happened to her. Like, does the world at large even know that she sacrificed herself? Like, how how much of that information has gotten out since the events of Avengers Endgame of, like, her death? Because, I mean, she was a big hero. In the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we saw last week she was even like, you know, memorialized on that uh, memorial in New York City. So you would think that like her death would news of her death and what part she played in saving the world uh, would come into play. And I I think Ben or I uh, questioned if Anna would have known about Natasha and what happened and told Yelena when she reappears. And this, uh, we got an email from Rob C's that said, Anna would not have known about Natasha when Yelena reappears from the blip as it would be days, weeks, or even months after the blip before the public would get the story of what happened. So yeah, that, 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 that's valid right there. Because you weren't here, Brad, what do you think the public knows about Black Widow and what happened? I would imagine next to nothing. I think that they probably just know the headline, which is that Black Widow sacrificed herself to help save the world. Because if if Yelena herself doesn't even know at this point, after she's been pursuing um, Clint Barton uh, and and to to kill him, and like has has been going off what she's been told, then clearly she wasn't able to learn anything else. And there's probably very few people who actually have the information on what happened, especially with something. Uh, as weird and cosmic and difficult to explain as what happened between Clint and Natasha um, in getting the uh, the Soul Stone back. So I think that, um, yeah, that's probably pretty hard to explain to anybody, which is probably why it's not out there in the general public. Okay, uh, let's get into our brief reactions of this episode. I'll go first. I I really enjoyed this series as a whole. This episode had a lot of loose ends to tie up. Like, you know, we just introduced the big bad at the end of last week's episode, which I uh, actually, uh, I want to complain about that very briefly. A lot of these Marvel series are doing that where they're like introducing the big bad in the penultimate episode. And it's like, we don't really get enough time with the big bad before, you know, the big bad has to be defeated. Uh, that happened in WandaVision, uh, did that happen in Falcon and Winter Soldier? I guess maybe not. I would have no, to read it. 
No. Not really. There was because there was kind of two big bads, if you will, because it was technically John Walker as Captain America, and then the yeah. Flag Smashers are pretty much the villains the whole way through, and there's not really anybody yeah, new yeah. who becomes a, a primary antagonist. Yes, but um, anyways, it, it's just something that irks me that when you kind of play the mystery subplot of like you know who's the the one behind this all and then that has to be revealed so late in the game that you don't really get much time with that that big bad anyways um it you know i i still liked how much he was used in this episode i was actually uh worried that he was gonna kind of just appear in like one scene and be out and you know be the big bad for the echo series but uh it looks like uh yeah <laughs> we'll talk about that in a bit uh uh and as much as i like uh the kingpin reveal i don't know I, I i like him in this series versus like the the daredevil series i i enjoyed uh vincent d'onofrio in that series but here like he he hits harder it it feels like he has like almost like super strength which is something the character kind of had in the comic books um it's cool to see uh hawkeye and kate bishop fighting in their new costumes as a team finally and uh yeah i I, I was kind of surprised at how much seemed to get wrapped up in this episode as I just assumed that things were going to be kind of left up in the air for this Echo spinoff. But uh, I, I, I enjoyed this episode. I don't think I enjoyed it as much as the rest of the season. But what are your thoughts, Brad? Um, yeah, I really like this a lot. And I think that it does a, a nice job of wrapping up a lot of these uh, loose ends and uh, giving us, at the very least, a a good stopping point for some of these character arcs uh, because it's clear that some of them will continue. Um, Echo obviously is getting her own spinoff series. So that story will, will go on um, and we'll get to probably what that will involve once we talk about the actual end of this episode. Um, and then I think the same can be said for Kate Bishop. She's obviously uh, has a huge fa- fan following her debut in this series has been praised left and right. And uh, again, the very end of the show uh, seems to make a pretty clear hint as to what her future holds uh, as well. So I, I would say that um, this is probably, I think maybe the most, the, the, the series that has the most complete um, beginning, middle, and end out of all of them, except for maybe WandaVision. But WandaVision does have like a big setup for what's to come in, in the future. So um, yeah, I think that this one... Uh, wrapped up pretty nice and neat. It did a good job of, um, you know, setting up these new character arcs and, and um, bringing them to an end in a way that was engaging and, uh, you know, exciting without ha- having these huge world-ending stakes, which, again, is what has made this whole series uh, refreshing to begin with. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think that this was a, a, a solid season finale. Yeah, yeah, I pretty much agree. Okay, um this is also the first episode that has been like an hour long while the rest were like 40 minutes long. And I'm still waiting. I, my hope, I'm not sure if I've said this on this podcast. I've said this in many conversations with friends, but my hope is one of these days, like we have a series like Hawkeye where we think it's six episodes long. And at the end of the sixth episode, you know, it's not all resolved. And it like ends with like coming next week to Disney plus the two hour movie, you know, Hawkeye, dot, 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 you know, it, it has like an actual neat, like title of the movie. And I, I hope someday Marvel surprises us with a Disney plus movie like that. I think that'd be kind of cool. 
That would be um, cool. Unfortunately, I think in this day and age, that kind of secret is way too hard to keep. Uh, you wouldn't be able to keep it under wraps. It would probably get spoiled by someone ahead of time. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's too difficult to do. And plus, honestly, like if they did do that, I feel like they would want a longer lead time on it because you I mean, with Marvel, it's 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 probably pretty easy to like let as many fans and people know as possible, but like you want time to market it so that people will actually pay attention to it and know that it's coming, especially if you're yeah. going to spend like movie money on it. So, well, I don't mean like a theatrical movie. I think like it would no, be I on know. Disney plus. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know what you mean, but I, I think even then like Disney would want the time to like drum up interest and make sure yeah, people yeah. know about it. And I'm not even saying spend movie money. I'm just saying like spend like, you know, two or three episodes worth of money. But like it becomes like this big event that no one knew that was going to happen. I don't know. Like, uh, I don't know. I, I, I guess it's not going to happen again. We're like, uh, what, Cloverfield Paradox yeah, or whatever? Yeah, yeah. That was that was probably like the, yeah, the last big surprise that they were able to pull off. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, go into the breakdown here. Uh, this is episode six, the finale. It's titled, So This Is Christmas? Question mark. Uh, do you know what this is a reference to? Brad. Yeah, I mean, it has to be a reference to John Lennon's uh, famous Christmas song, Happy Christmas, parentheses, War is Over, which has, has the, the lyrics, So This Is Christmas. Yeah, and I, I think it's pretty self-explanatory why both of those meanings, like, you know, the on-the-face meaning, So This Is Christmas, because, you know, the end of this takes place on Christmas, and uh, all, War is Over, uh, maybe question mark? I don't know. Um <laughs> Uh, I think it's a perfect song for this episode. It's the seventh single outside of the Beatles that John Lennon did. Have you seen yet the Apple TV um, series from Peter Jackson? I've only seen the first installment. I haven't finished yet. It's quite quite oh, a da- so daunting watch. But yeah, I, I love what I've seen so far, and I definitely want to have time to finish it. But I have so many things to catch up on before the end of the year. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the title's Get Back. It was escaping me at first, um, but I highly recommend it. It, it, I I don't know. I watched it all in a weekend, and it's it's just so good. Anyways, um, okay, so the episode begins with Vincent D'Onofrio returning as Kingpin, and here we see him with a cane, something he's had in the comics, but he didn't have in the Netflix series, so it's kind of cool to see, like, a version of him that's more like the comics and he's meeting with eleanor uh we learn that her husband owned a small owed a small fortune to kingpin which she has since paid back and now she wants out doesn't work that way right brad <laughs> yeah when you're caught up in a uh, big time crime like this you can't just leave as as many mob movies and crime movies have established there's there's no getting out yeah uh i forget what kingpin says later like she, she tried to quit like she was working at macy's or something or something like that yeah it's, it's not a job at Saks fifth avenue <laughs> yeah um this is interesting though because this is also a reference to the first scene of the series uh where eleanor and derek bishop kate's real father are arguing over financial issues so it's a kind of callback to that uh so anyways um this looks like our prediction I forget who made the prediction, if it was you or I, um, that Eleanor was going to be responsible for the death of Kate's father, uh, you know, to try to get insurance money or something. <laughs> Did, didn't turn out. Um, but she did kill Armand, and, or at least was responsible for the death of Armand. And 
was going to let Jack take the fall for the Sloan Limited um, Corporation. Uh, also, we should mention that her story kind of a little bit mirrors the story of Echo's father, who didn't have the money uh, to pay for Echo's expensive school for the death and and uh, had to work for Kingpin to, to make that money to send her to school. Uh, anyways, uh, I'm curious... What kind of things do you think Eleanor did for Kingpin? Like, did she, like, give him information that was obtained by Bishop Security? Or was it just funding that loan limited corporate? Like, wh- how involved do you think she was? Yeah, I'm willing to bet with access to the security systems for a lot of rich people um, and them being trusted by a lot of those upper class New York socialites that she's probably provided a lot of information to kingpin in order to steal things maybe doing some money laundering uh any any a n- number of nefarious activities that uh, crime rings are typically known for yeah okay so meanwhile kate pleads with hawkeye to leave her and be with his family in time for christmas uh but he can't because as he says it he's her partner ah and echo meets with kingpin tells him she wants to move on from trying to avenge the death of her father. She's taking a few days off, and he says he loves her, even though he secretly knows that she is she is turned on him and thus needs to die. <laughs> I I um I love here how they covered Kingpin's windows with like purple sheeting. So it's like I, I'm not sure how much of the Netflix Daredevil show you saw, but in that show, they kind of like overuse these bright, colorful backgrounds. Like outside Matt Murdock's uh, apartment, there's like these neon lights and it's it's very like comic booky in the way they use light and light lighting in the backgrounds. And it's cool that like when they we see his character in this, it's, it's kind of uh, recalls the cinematography or lighting of, of that. Uh, what do you think of uh, what do you think of Kingpin in this in this episode? Yeah, I mean, this is a great role for Vincent D'Onofrio to play. He has a commanding presence, and the voice that he does uh, for Kingpin is is very intimidating. Like, you really <laughs> like, I mean, and just like little little things like making his footsteps uh, resonate that much more. So it sounds like a big guy, you know, walking around. It's it adds to um, just how much of a uh, an intimidating presence he is. Yeah. Uh, so Hawkeye is making a batch of new trick arrows, which is kind of weird because didn't he say that once they were gone, they were gone? Or I guess he meant the stems. Once I mean, is- I mean, maybe, maybe he was just talking about the stash that, that he had that they just didn't, he just didn't yeah. have anymore without having to make more. Yeah. It, it was cool here to see him in creator mode. We see so much of him just like being a guy shooting arrows and jumping around. But like here he's like, you know, it's like the armory scene where they're like creating the stuff. And it's also funny that there's that scene in, I think, episode three where they're in the car chase and Kate's grabbing the random arrows that she doesn't know what they are. And he's yelling at her for not knowing what they are. So here she's like using a label maker to label which arrow is which so that she'll she'll know. And there's like one. She's like, what's this one? And he's like, too dangerous. So she labels it too dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Um Kate confesses to Quint the story of seeing Hawkeye during the Battle of New York and how that inspired her. And it's something I wasn't expecting here. It's cool to see, you know, this guy that he do- says he doesn't want to be a role model uh, being 
touched at how he has become an inspiration for this young woman. So, um, they attend a big Christmas formal at Rockefeller Center, and the LARPers have infiltrated the gathering dressed as workers. Uh, little Armand finally shows back up. I thought he was going to have a bigger role in this series for some reason. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of glad that he didn't, but he has this interaction with Jock, and Kate saves Eleanor from being assassinated and reveals she, she knows that he, she has been working with Kingpin and uh, Quint gets targeted by, uh, but escapes as shots are fired at the party and Jock talks himself into being a hero with the sword. Uh, what do you make of Jock in, in this whole series? It, it's kind of funny that like he was kind of positioned as potentially the bad guy. And it turns out he was just the goof that didn't know what was going on that likes swords and falls into playing with the LARPers. Yeah, I love that they, it's, it's clearly a red herring in the end, and they, they set him up to kind of be this um, smarmy kind of sleazeball, and it seems like he could be deadly because of the swords and because he's skilled with a blade in his hand, and um, even, you know, his interaction uh, with, with his father made it seem like, you know, he was up to no good. Um, but it seems like he's just kind of a, a goober uh, and just doesn't really know what's happening around him still a little bit slimy but like i guess in a charming way maybe um but yeah you do a complete 180 on on him once you see uh like who he really is and uh yeah i love that you see him him helping and you know being this you know kind of swashbuckling so kate runs into yelena at the elevator and (laughs) she's there to kill quint and their interaction is again quite delightful uh what did you think of this whole sequence in the elevator yeah, I mean, since I didn't get to comment on this uh, in general in the previous two episodes, I love the interaction between Kate and Yelena. It's it's cute and funny, and just the banter they have is hilarious. And I love what Florence Pugh has done with the character, too, where she it makes her, her being nice and kind and having this like very laid-back, casual talk with Kate makes it all the more menacing when she actually gets serious and threatens her. Um, but I like even when they're fighting here, like she really doesn't want to hurt Kate. You know, it's, she clearly likes Kate and it's just more of a, a nuisance than anything to have to deal with it because she knows she's going to stand in her way. Uh, so it's it's like a playful rivalry, even though they are actually fighting each other. And I like the comp when they get to complimenting each other for the cool moves that they did. There's there's a, there's a, <laughs> a cool kinship there. And I I hope that we get to see more of them working together in the future. Yeah, I think playful is the word. Like when she like pressed all the buttons in the elevator, I was like, "Oh no, she didn't." Yeah, and then she's like, "Oh come on, are you kidding?" <laughs> uh, they they uh, have this fun fight that is in the the building where the camera kind of follows them from right to left alongside them, like on a dolly, kind of in one one take. Although it cuts a couple times, and cinematically, I think this might be my second favorite action fight of the show. Not only because you know, their relationship and how fun they are, but just how it was presented, I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, Kate grapples down Rockefeller Plaza and somehow doesn't kill herself landing on the ground. (laughs) I think this was like presented badly, Brad. Tell me if I'm wrong here, because it didn't seem like she was like stopping herself much while she was like grappling that, like she wasn't like 
uh, I don't know what that's called when you're grappling, like when you're like slowing yourself down. Yeah, like when you're rappelling off the side of a building. Yeah, it seemed like she was still falling pretty fast at the end there, and then like she should have probably landed harder. You you would think. So yeah, I, I yeah. thought the same thing. Uh, she's there just in time to have a fight with the tracksuits, and she has a short conversation with the bro that. Uh, who was going to the Imagine Dragons concert, but she had convinced him to go to Marin 5 instead, and he's he's happy about that, but uh, it's not going to stop him from trying to kill her. And uh, Jacques shows up with his heroic moment, taking out the bad guys with his sword. It's cool to see him have this moment. I wasn't actually expecting that. Um, Kazi and Hawkeye battle it out before the rest of the tracksuit show up, and Clint jumps out the window into the huge Christmas tree in the plaza. Uh, he's stuck up there with an owl. And the LARPers try to help out, but no one's listening to them. So they gear up in, in their costumes and they're now a bit more formidable. Uh, Grill, Grills carries young Armand out of there. And uh, I, I honestly thought there was going to be more uh, with the LARPers in this episode in the in the comic books, it's it's a much smaller thing. It takes place in the apartment building that Clint lives. He's uh, doesn't have a family, and the Larpers, instead of being Larpers, are the neighbors of the apartment building. And the tracksuits kind of are lured into the building, and it's kind of like this home alone sequence where they're taking him out with trick arrows and also like set up all these traps and stuff like that. Um, so this is much bigger like actually this whole sequence feels a lot bigger than i thought we would ever get in this series like it i'm sure it was just on the sound stage or something like that but it really looked like it was at rockefeller center yeah i was curious if they actually did shoot at rockefeller or not like obviously i I can't imagine that they did the the ice rink stuff in the rockefeller center that that'd be just way too hard um so yeah i wonder if they if it's green screen or if they used stagecraft um or something but like there were definitely some tangible aspects of the set but yeah it was it it looked very good Uh, maybe we'll find out in the future marvel assembled episode which has been announced i'm Um, sure it's gonna happen yeah it'll definitely happen i don't know if it's been announced for sure yet though yeah um so kate shoots an acid arrow at the tree sending the whole thing crashing down in the middle of the ice rink in the square and uh clint reveals his new hawkeye costume what what did you think of the new costume uh it looks pretty cool it's it's like you know it's kind of an uh a bit of a change of pace as from his normal tactical gear um where it's it's incorporated a little bit more purple into it and uh yeah i I liked it it wasn't wasn't too showy uh and still serves a a practical purpose yeah it's bright but it's minimalistic to the point that it doesn't feel like he's you know a superhero in tights or something like that. Yeah. And it look it looks a lot like the costume from the Matt Fraction run, almost like identical actually. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um they, they have this big heroic team up moment. They even get like this like a <laughs> Avengers assemble like uh tracking shot that goes around them and then they they split off to fire trick arrows at all the track suits. There's all these so fun trick arrow things what did did you have any of the favorite trick arrow shots uh i really liked when they used the the uh electric current one to send an electric current through all of the flagpoles around 30 rock that was very cool 
yeah it, it almost felt like it was too fast i almost wanted to like enjoy some of these more like it was just like trick arrow after trick arrow after trick arrow so we didn't get like to like get to enjoy them but uh i, I like at the end where one of the Trusta Bros vans coming like flying at them and they shoot a Pim shrinking arrow at them and it turns into like a micro machine and then the owl that was in the tree with Quint flies away with it. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah. I also um I want to add there's a lot happening in 30 Rock right now uh <laughs> during this scene and it I feel like it takes the cops a long time to show up. <laughs> like like, I feel like if this was happening in real life, there would be a much quicker police response there. Yeah. And it's funny when they show up, don't they just show up and arrest uh, Eleanor for like the murder of something that happened like last week? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, wait, would you be dealing with everything that's going on here? Um, yeah, that's funny. That's a g- good point, Brad. <laughs> uh, so Kate leaves to find her mom. Quint is left with Kazi. He doesn't quite take him out, and Yelena shows up, and just just as that happens, Echo shows up to fight Kazi. Yeah, there's a lot going on here. Yelena asks Quint what happened to her sister. He tells her in broad strokes the truth, but Yelena doesn't believe him at first. Uh, Echo tells Kazi she doesn't want to kill him and tries to talk him into coming with her, but he's willing to die for Kingpin and apparently does at the end of one of the arrows. Uh but in the last breaths, he tells her, leave Maya, he's coming for you. So my question to you, Brad, is does Kazi die? And the only reason that makes me think that maybe he doesn't is in the end, he's apparently killed by one of Quint's arrows, which kind of frames Quint for Kazi's death. So if there was someone, I don't know. I mean, even actually, if he does die, then people would think Quint killed him. What what are your thoughts on this? Um, I mean, I think that it's probably pretty easy to like realize that that's not the case. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I feel like we're probably in the clear there without having to worry about that. Um, but do you think he's dead or do you think he's alive? I feel like he's gotta be dead because I don't. I'm not sure if he would be much of a threat if he was kept alive. You know. And I think that when we'll talk about this when we get to that that point here in a little bit, but I think that there's that Maya has is going to have a much bigger problem to deal with uh, in her own series. Yeah, I, I, the only reason to keep him alive is to to have a uh, a secondary character in that that spinoff series. We can talk about that in a little bit. Um, so Eleanor gets to her car just in time for Kingpin to show up, and Kate fires a few arrows at him, which don't hurt him. Did you like this? I, I see some talk online. Some people like don't like that he doesn't get hurt by the arrows. I mean, this has always been a trait of Kingpin is where he, he's kind of super powered because he's so like, I guess you could say literally thick skinned. He's just he's a big, beefy guy and he can take more of a beating than like a normal person can. So I'm fine with it because that comes straight from the comics as, as for what like the, the practical explanation is in the MCU, you know, maybe that needs to be touched upon so that people who aren't familiar understand that. But like this was, this made, you know, didn't bother me because I knew that history. I think in the daredevil series, it was made apparent that he wears some kind of armor in his clothes, but uh, I'm not sure if that's what's going on here. Or maybe it is like in the comics, like you said, he's, 
he's like this huge guy. He's like almost gigantic. Like, like if you see him in into the spider verse, it's like that, like a small head and huge body. Yeah. And he kind of has like this super strength. So I, I, I kind of love that they're playing more off that in the MCU with him. So, uh, Eleanor sends Kingpin flying, crashing him in, uh, cr- crashing into him with the car. Uh, they're like an FAO Schwartz. What, what is with them? Like, having fights in toy stores in the, right in the- <laughs> it's christmas i guess <laughs> i guess uh so kingpin and kate fight continues as a store uh and elena's hawkeye fight continues on the ice and kingpin breaks all of kate's arrows in two just like that like so it's like we're gonna have all this fun with these arrows nope uh kate uses the coin flick trick that uh hawkeye taught her earlier to activate a few of the arrows, sending Kingpin flying, we we knew that was going to come back to play some at some point, right? Of course. Yeah, and um, I also want to mention that she does this with one of the cufflinks from that she grabbed from Kingpin. It's actually one of the cufflinks that we see in the Daredevil series. And also, I also want to point out that the arrow that sets off here with with the uh, cufflink is actually the too dangerous arrow that was labeled earlier. So. So that's kind of fun. Uh, so the the police show up, arrest Eleanor. They're not worried about anything else. They're just worried about this Armin Duquesne, uh, the third mur- murder from, a, a, you know, what, five days before, six days before. I got to say, I think Eleanor's arc here in this series is kind of disappointing. What do you think? I think that there's probably more to come with her. I, I, I think it's clear like the story of these characters has to continue somehow. And I think that, there's probably something else that's going to be in store for her. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I can understand why you'd be disappointed. I, I kind of felt like there would be a little bit more uh, here for the finale, but I don't necessarily know what you do with her if, you know, when you are planning on probably continuing the story, you know? A lot of fans wanted her to end up being Madame Mask or whatever. I think it's probably too soon for that to happen because yeah. I I think that we need time to get to that point because I and I think that if anything this might be the thing that pushes her to to go to that point because I, I guarantee you she'll be feel betrayed by Kate and that like you know she did this all for her and all her daughter did was you know let her get arrested and take the fall for it. So that might be something that pushes her to like even more so lean into, you know, this criminal life that she's been leading. Yeah. Merry Christmas, bomb. Uh, Hawkeye keeps telling Elena the truth, uh, but she doesn't believe him until she he tells her the story. Like he does the secret whistle and tells the story that she had told him about the the thing that happened in Black Widow. Uh, they share like this really emotional moment, uh, which I thought um, uh, made me tear up a little. Uh he says, I, I, I loved her so much. Me too. Uh, is this the last time we're going to see them together? Hawkeye and Yelena? Uh, probably not. I feel like at some point there has to be something that will happen that will require them to, to work together again. Um, so I would say no, but I don't necessarily know specifically like when <laughs> we might see them together again. Yeah. Uh, Kingpin limps through an alleyway and is met with Maya. Uh, Kingpin argues their family and she brings a gun to his head and we cut to a wide shot from outside the alley and we see a flash of the gun from afar. It seemingly looks like Maya killed Kingpin, 
but is he dead, Brad? No, uh, and I think that it's um, fitting that she seems to be point- pointing the gun at his uh, his eyes. And in in the comics, this very thing happens. Uh, but when Maya shoots Kingpin, he doesn't die, but he's blinded. And he's still very much at large, literally and figuratively. Um, so I think that Kingpin probably isn't dead, and he will be around uh, when the the Echo spinoff happens. And I'm sure Maya will probably be surprised by that. Um, and that'll be something that she has to deal with for, for her show. Yeah. We should mention in the comics, there's this whole thing where like Kingpin is trying to blame the death of her father on Daredevil. So he kind of sends Echo to go kill Daredevil. And that's when she learns the truth and then comes back and kills Kingpin and that's when he doesn't die and he's blinded. So him being blinded is kind of to mirror Matt Murdock in a way. So I'm wondering if they're going to do that same thing here because it, it's not quite the same story. But yeah. Uh, uh, so the LARPers try to talk Jock into joining their LARPing group, which is great. I love that. Uh, Quint tells Kate he's proud of her, which uh, we knew was going to come at the end of this episode at some point. And uh, the end of this episode, we see Quint arriving home at the Barden farm for Christmas Day. He has made it, and they do this fake out, making you think that he's alone. He's having to like carry all the presents, but nope, Kate's there along with the pizza dog, Lucky, as well. And Quint gives his wife the watch from the auction. It is revealed that it has the shield symbol on the back of it, all along with the number nineteen. This confor- confirms the theory that I brought up. Um, a few episodes ago that that uh, Hawkeye's wife is actually Agent 19, a.k.a. Mockingbird, who worked for uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. at one time. And uh, in the comics, the character's name is Barbara Morse, Bobby Morse. Here it's Lara, right? So yeah. that could just be a code. Like that could be a, you know, witness protection name. Or something, you know, like she's living out a, a new life as in, in a new name or something. It could be, except I mean, she is that that is that's what you know Clint does call her, and you would think that if yeah. that weren't her real name in private, he would probably call her, something, you know, yeah. yeah, her real name. But um, interestingly enough, and this is something that may ha- uh, end up pissing off agents of Shield fans, uh, is because <laughs> uh, Adrian Paliki's uh, character in Agents of Shield was. Barbara Bobby Morse, who is Agent 19, a.k.a. Mockingbird, but she never was given the Mockingbird uh, designation in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So it's entirely possible that the Mockingbird thing could be a code name that is passed around to different agents because by the time Adrian Palicki would have been part of S.H.I.E.L.D., Laura would have probably been retired based on how old her kids are. Oh, if, so, if, so it's, if, kind, if, it's kind of like she, a moniker. That's yeah, potentially, take... potentially. Um, but at the same time, there's also been evidence that maybe Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. may not actually be uh, as in tune with Marvel Cinematic Universe canon as we think, especially now that the multiverse has been established, because one of the other big things that uh, kind of got brushed aside uh, in the, the MCU is uh, WandaVision uh, brought the Darkhold into the story of, of Wanda and Vision, but uh, the Darkhold was previously seen in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but it was looked completely different, and it's not the same thing at all 
uh, it's that that's been discussed. So it's looking more and more like Agents <laughs> of Shield probably falls out of the purview of the MCU proper and may just take place in a, a different universe. Yeah, I don't. I think that's a a different multiverse entirely. I think that's, but you know what? I would have said that about Daredevil and the Netflix stuff if you had asked me a couple months ago. Well, to be fair, it technically still could, you know? I yeah, mean, yeah. like, there, there are variants that aren't necessarily remarkably different from the characters that we know in the MCU, so who knows? True. I also want to bring up, some, someone emailed us, I forgot the, the the name right now, but they brought up that in Avengers Age of Ultron, when they visit Quint's house and they have that whole kind of reveal that he has a secret family that they didn't know about, that uh, when Tony meets Lara, he says he thought thought she was an agent. So, so that joke comes full circle. There right? you go. Yeah. Um, so uh, they set the Ronin costume on fire, and Kate suggests she calls herself Lady Hawk or Hawk Eve or Hawk Shot or Lady Arrow, a bunch of suggestions. And Quint says, I have an idea. And we cut to credits with the Hawkeye title. Is his idea that she should call herself Hawkeye? Yeah, I think so. I think this is definitely the implication that that Hawkeye sees her as his replacement. He's he's clearly um, ready to retire. I think you know um, he just wants to be a family man. You know he he's uh, lost a good chunk of his hearing. He's been through a lot. I think he's ready to uh, to check out. So I, I I have a feeling we'll see Kate Bishop taking on the Hawkeye moniker sooner than later. But Brad, he just he just got a new outfit. <laughs> he did i mean he'll always be hawkeye in in some sense um yeah. and if anything like they could even use this to comedic advantage when the time comes for them like to work all together again for some kind of big threat where someone's addressing hawkeye and they're you know like which one <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so there is a mid credit scene which this i think is like the most negative people have been about this episode i think people were expecting some kind of tease or you know uh, a normal thing, but instead what they got was this Christmas card from Marvel wishing everybody a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, or whatever. And then we got a full scene of the Rogers, the musical song, Save the City, which had already been released online, the the, the song, not the scene, not the visuals. Um, what did you think of the credit scene? I'm sorry. If you're upset about this, like, just take a seat. <laughs> I mean, come on. This is, this is great. Yeah. I loved seeing this entire sequence. It's so goofy and silly. And fun, it made, like I made me want to see the entire awful musical that that this would would be because it was just great. I loved it. I loved it. I don't. You don't necessarily need a tease all the time of what's to come. You know, there's stuff coming. You know, you're gonna get trailers. I like that this was just a fun little like holiday greeting that was just enjoyable. It was great. I loved it. No, I liked it too. I, I think this should have been the end credit scene, and they should have had a mid credit scene that like had like a teasery uh marvel scene i think like that would have been the better way to play this but uh you do see uh the guy that wrote the the song who is it mark, mark shaman shaman you see him in the audience there so he has a cameo well he's not he's not just in the audience uh he's the i'm pretty conductor. sure he's, he's the conductor yeah 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 um and it was it was fun i i enjoyed it, it i i, I kind of wish it was like a bigger ending beat to it like Maybe the reveal of more Avengers and the audience watching it, like heckling it or something at the end. No, but no, no, no. Okay. No, no. Okay. Do you have any final things to say about this episode, Brad, before we get into speculation? Overall, I think this series uh, was a success. Um, it was nice to, uh, again, we've talked about this before, have something that was 
uh, a little bit more low to the ground and kept things isolated and street level. Uh, the fact that it was in such a truncated you know window of time unfolding over just six days was a nice touch too. And uh, the it introduces a lot of new characters that are going to be interesting to see evolve in the, the MCU from Echo to Kate Bishop. And I, I think that it's... Um, yeah, it's 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 a good series. Now, I don't think it's my my favorite of the run that we've had so far. But for if you'd have told me, you know, so long ago that there would be a Hawkeye TV series and that I would come out liking it as much as I did, I'd probably be like, "There's there's no way. Who cares about Hawkeye?" But they did they did a really good job with it, I think. And um, I think that getting to spend more time with a character like Hawkeye does the character uh, a service. You know, um, after being mostly just a supporting character who doesn't get a ton of uh, development in the movies. It's nice to get, be able to spend time with them and give them their own story uh, and have it, you know, um, expand the Marvel cinematic universe in uh, surprising and cool ways. Yeah. I, I think what, yeah, everything, what you said, I, I, I didn't think I would enjoy a Hawkeye show as much as I did. And I didn't think I, I don't know. I, I guess I didn't imagine that I wanted this kind of show from Marvel. And by this kind of show, I mean, more of a fun action comedy like this uh, out of this this is a tone I, I i know that like obviously falcon and winter soldier was kind of like a buddy comedy in a way but not, not on this you know th this is more like um more casual more of like a a fun it feels almost like a, a fun christmas movie in in, in a way and uh i i i want more of that it, it doesn't all have to be like these very dramatic, intense, like storylines. I, 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 am definitely down for more stuff like this. But um, yeah, let's let's jump right into speculation. Do you think we're going to get a Hawkeye season two? I hope so. Um, I part of me is wondering if maybe Kate Bishop will be back in the echo series as a supporting character. Um, Cause it feels like she would probably need to be involved somehow based on, you know, just how things unfolded with, uh, with Maya Lopez. Um, so I think that that would probably be a safe bet. Um, but I do think if they're kind of setting up Kate Bishop to be the new Hawkeye, that you probably want there to be a season two, right? There's still a lot of open threads, th things <laughs> that can, that can happen. So I think it's pretty, uh, pretty likely that we'll get a, a second season. You know what I want, Brad? I want, I want, I mean, this could be a series or a movie, but I want Hawkeye and Black Widow and it's Kate and Yelena. Uh, yeah, that would be, that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, I like that idea a lot. Actually. I would love to see uh, a movie or a series with them teamed up together. That would be a yeah. lot of fun. Yeah. That, that, that would be great. Um, so uh, <laughs> if Echo killed Kingpin and Kazi, then what is her spinoff show? I, you think for sure that Kingpin's still alive. Yeah, I feel like there's no way you bring Vincent D'Onofrio back for something like this just to immediately kill him off so easily. And considering that storyline in the comics, like it echoes it way too, no pun intended, way too closely uh, to not be used in that way. So I feel like Kingpin's got to come back. I, I th I'm pretty sure he's going to be the, the main villain in, in Echo series. Also, can you be a Marvel hero, like the star of your own show, if you like execute some, like even a villain, 
like at the end of a gun like that. I mean, I guess Pun- Punisher was, so I've answered, but like this is on Disney Plus. We're not on Netflix anymore. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes heroes have to kill bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, Laura Burden, do you think that reveal was just like that? Do you think, well, first of all, do you think the buildup of what that watch is? I, we've had a lot of speculation over the weeks of, you know, what does that watch mean? What is that about? Um, and we came to the the Mockingbird thing pretty early. Uh, but I, I think a lot of people were like talking about this MacGuffin. Do you think it was satisfying of a conclusion of finding out what, what this watch was? Um, so it, dep- it kind of depends. Like if it's a nice little detail they included to kind of give a little bit of uh, a little bit more history to, uh, Clint and Laura's relationship and let people know kind of like how they met and that kind of thing, then I think it's, it's just, it's a cool little thing, but I, I have a feeling you don't set up something like that unless you intend to do something with it. Um, and I, I wrote a thing about this as far, uh, as far as like what this could possibly mean for the future of the MCU. And uh, since Laura is agent 19, it opens up the possibility of telling stories involving um, Hawkeye and Mockingbird's work as shield agents, um, or at least something that they can flash back to if they were to do uh, a second season of Hawkeye and some storyline came up involving their past, something that frequently happens with a lot of Marvel characters where their past comes back to bite them in the ass. It's also possible that this could be a setup for something tied to secret invasion because uh, we know the secret invasion storyline involves the revelation that scrolls have, you know, infiltrated various parts of the government shield, what have you over the years. And so it would stand to reason that Laura Barton would have been around during a time when that could have happened. Uh, there's even a storyline in Marvel Comics uh, in West Coast Avengers where Mockingbird, the Bobby Morse version, sacrifices herself to save Hawkeye. And it's revealed in a later issue that that version of Mockingbird was actually a scroll in disguise as Mockingbird. And the real Mockingbird was being kept prison by the scrolls somewhere else. So part of me is wondering if they're setting up uh, Laura Barton to be involved with uh, a future storyline somewhere. Yeah, I think that this can't be the end of this. I think that like somehow this Mockingbird storyline is going to either have to pay off more in like a Hawkeye sequel series or, you know, like you said, one of the other Disney Plus shows. Um, but it, yeah, it, 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 it seems like too much of like a fan servicey ending because we don't even really understand. Like if you didn't read the comics or you didn't listen to a show like this, you wouldn't even understand what that watch means at yeah. that point. So I feel like this is a setup more than it is a payoff. But um, I I think it's interesting that Val never shows up or is even mentioned in the series, even though she's the one that kind of set Elena on the series of events to get here. Wait, say that again? I, I think it's interesting that Val, um, you know, at the end of Black Widow, she is the one that sends Yelena here to, to kill uh, Quint. And obviously, obviously like that is traced back to um, Eleanor, but Val is never mentioned in the series. Well, to be fair, uh, Val doesn't necessarily send Yelena to kill Clint. She's just the one who, who tells her that he's responsible for her sister's death. 
And I think that maybe it's uh, a coincidence that she gets hired to kill Clint once Eleanor finds out that uh, he's working with Kate. Oh, you think that Eleanor didn't hire Val to to find Elena? I suppose that's possible, but it seem Val Val doesn't seem like the kind of person who's hired by someone like Ele- Eleanor. You know what I mean? Hmm. Like in the hierarchy, wouldn't you think that Val would be the one that would hire Eleanor to do something like that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I suppose it's possible, though. Hmm. Yeah, I'm sure we'll find out eventually. Uh, what do you think is going to happen to Jock? Do you think we'll ever see him again? And if so, is he going <laughs> to be part of this like LARPing group? <laughs> um, I, I think, I think it's always possible to see any character pop up again in MCU, whether it's significant appearance uh i don't think so I, I feel like he's kind of a maybe more so of a one and done thing and maybe he would come up as like a, a quick gag or something like that or a, a matter of convenience you know or so, um if they needed uh his sword expertise i guess i don't know <laughs> <laughs> um the the last thing i wanted to bring up i don't really have any other speculations but i wanted to bring up uh is kind of a spoiler for spider-man no way home so if you haven't seen that movie move maybe to not now but uh at the end of that movie we see spider-man swinging around rockefeller's uh square and he's in his new suit and this is during christmas time uh so in the tree is still up brad so that makes me think that that event took place sometime in december of 2024 but not on christmas eve because if it happened on christmas eve that tree would have been down that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to say everything's connected. It, it is interesting that two things in one week came out and both have Rockefeller Center during Christmas time and feature like that that whole area like in a, in a big way and then also both have a character coming back from Daredevil. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure if that was planned. Or just a coincidence, probably probably just a coincidence. But I, I like it. And I like also uh, we, we've talked about in the past how Rogers the musical appears in Spider Man uh, No Way Home. You see like the banners and stuff around New York City. So it, it, it's cool that uh, there's some kind of symmetry there. And also, I think you weren't on this episode. I was talking with Ben, but um, they were having a conversation. Oh, I think it might have been the Yelena. Um, conversation with kate that that it's mentioned the statue of liberty getting the 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 shield yeah yeah like, she wanted to see that yeah the the did you say new improved or the like up updated statue of liberty or something like that yeah i just think it's so cool how well that stuff is connected and like you didn't need to have that line in there but it's like i don't know it all takes place around the same time and it's it's cool that it's all coordinated so um, okay, I'll put a link to your piece from Slash Home and also your coverage of uh, the Bond stuff in the show notes. You can find more of all of our work at SlashFilm.com. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to at, to Peter at SlashFilm.com. And please, if you enjoy podcasts like this, head on over to our Apple podcast page, uh, you know, Pick five stars, write like a sentence. Just say how much you like it. That helps a lot of people find this podcast series. Uh, Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you. Actually, we'll see you next week. Have a uh, happy holiday.
Yeah, Merry Christmas. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.